You know, the world right now is a really unsettled place. And for such a time as this, women play a most important role in history as peacemakers. The goal of Ladies of Liberty Sound Off is to affect the lives of women in an empowering way through discussion of important issues of the day. So, are you ready? The Ladies of Liberty are ready to sound off. Becky and Judy, something that we really like to talk about is marriage. All three of us are married. All three of us have been married for a while. And, you know, we've talked about what's going on in the marriage world in different ways. But I want to talk about back in the 1880s. In the 1880s, they wrote these um, etiquette manuals. And there is a gentleman's etiquette manual that talks about the gender roles of the husband and wife in the home. And I'm going to tell you what this says. And let's compare to today and how we think we would fare if we were under kind of this set of rules. So the first thing that this etiquette manual starts with, it says, it's kind of got a little sentence there, a little blurb, and it says the husband, in fact, should act toward his wife as becomes a perfect gentleman, regarding her as the best lady in the land to whom above all other earthly beings, he owes paramount allegiance. Oh my gosh, I'm already in love with the article. <laughs> I want me some of that. <laughs> I think we're, we're going to show this to our husbands later. Wow. Well, the article goes into three, and this is from the 1880s. It goes into three sections. It goes into the responsibilities in the home, the responsibility of the woman in the marriage and the responsibility of the man, the conduct of the, the husband and wife. So let's talk about the home for just a second. The article says that the home is the woman's kingdom and there she reigns supreme. To embellish that home and to make happy lives of her husband and the dear ones committed to her trust is the honored task which it is the wife's province to perform. All praise be to her who so rules and governs in that kingdom that those reared beneath her roof shall rise up and call her blessed. Oh my. How wonderful is that? Well, this, this goes back to the time when women stayed home and women were kind of the masters of the house and men went out and worked, right? And, you know, this is just starting in this article, but the thing that is really interesting, I have no doubt that so many women today would disagree with that, that, that the woman should be the kind of the master of the home and the man should appreciate that. And, um, and everybody in the house should respect that. Right. I mean, there's lots of women that would disagree with that. Thanks to people like Kate Millett and the, the national organization of women, but yet, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I personally, I, I think that it's interesting because when you go back to um, the beginning of, of that pamphlet and it, it talks about how it, it begins with actually the husband's responsibility to, you know, love his wife, to honor his wife, to, um, protect her, to love her, to revere her, 
it is interesting because, um, you know, I'm a, a true believer in, in Christ and there's the, you know, the, the verse in the Bible that says, um, you know, wives submit to your husbands. And I think that most people only read that one line, but prior to that is the line that says, husbands love your wife, like Christ loved the church. And how did Christ love the church? You know, that's really where it begins. Okay. And how did Christ love the church? He gave his life, his whole being, his whole purpose in life was to save us, love us, nurture us, protect us, teach us and lead us to a good life. And so when I think about submitting to my husband, if he is actually loving me like Christ loved the church, then I would have no problem whatsoever submitting to him. When you say submitting, I think that's the word that rubs women the wrong way. Now, because, because of the way that they view that word, they, they think that they're subservient. And that's, that's not what anybody's saying. Becky, I want to, I want to bring you this, this next line in here. I think it's really interesting. It's about the home. And it talks about that one of marriage's very first requirements is happy is for happiness that you have a home. Okay. That it's not found in a boarding house or hotel, and it's not found living with your in-laws or your relatives. It's that you should have your own house and your own space where the husband and wife may begin the new life that they have had fond dreams of and upon their own actions must depend their future welfare. Let's talk about that in relation to today where everybody's living with their parents. <laughs> well, think about when this was written and when it was written in the 1800s, yeah. 1880s, late 1880s. I think back then it was also, if not traditional, but a necessity that families live together because I think one of the reasons why this was written was because once the couple got married, if they couldn't afford a home of their own, they were probably living with either other parents and they learned lessons that are shared here. Don't do that. It's not healthy. It's yeah. not a healthy thing for a young couple to be living with family, either his parents or her parents, um, as much as they might love each, that also can be rare. I mean, to have in-laws that you love, I don't know how common that is. My own personal situation was not, uh, was not warm and fuzzy, let's say. And my husband's parents were the age of my grandparents like literally born the same month and year, like 1912. So it was, anyway, they're sharing lessons in this article that it's not a good idea to do that. You need, once you leave your parents, and this is biblical, you are to become one and you are to leave the family behind, not like divorcing your family, but starting your own life, 
And yes, we get together for birthdays and holidays and we continue to share family joys and, and sorrows and struggles. But the point is to develop your own home and that happiness in the home. The article goes on to say the things that this young couple would do to create that happiness in the home and specifically for the women, which I really appreciated. So further down in the article, I love this. I love this. And this, this is, I'm kind of jumping back and forth here because there's so much to this, but it's so good. The conduct of husband and wife. It says, make allowances for one another's weaknesses. And at the same time, endeavor to multiply, or I'm sorry, endeavor to mutually repress them. That one kind of was a little dagger to my heart. I'm, I'm confessing all here. I feel like I'm completely laying myself bare. I'm kind of a critical person, which is not a good thing, especially when it comes to marriage. So it's very easy for a couple who's lived together for 26 years, more or less for some, to become critical of habits and idiosyncrasies that people have. So, and I can share this one because the world knows, my husband clears his throat in an, what I consider an unusual way. He hacks. It's a very loud, hard, <laughs> really hard. And it kind of drives me crazy. Because it reminds me of when we visited his parents in the assisted living facility, I believe is the proper term nowadays. And it, it puts, my husband is a little older than I am. So it unfortunately sets my mind to the aging process and like, don't, don't be that old now. Don't be that old man in the chair packing away and I love you, honey. This sort of awful stuff. Kiss me. <laughs> so those are the things we're to repress. <laughs> it's hard to say. Oh my After gosh. <laughs> it's hard, but loving. It's all about loving and giving of yourself. Nowhere in this article does it say, and I think this is important. Nowhere does it say, get what you want out of this relationship. Make sure you get what this one and make sure you get the new curtains and the new flooring and the new whatever it is that you want out of this relationship. And if your husband doesn't like it, no, this is all about the giving to each other and loving. And the teamwork with it, right? It says, yes, it says that the affection that they have possessed and expressed as lovers must ripen into a lifelong devotion to one another's welfare and happiness, that the closest friendship must be begotten from their early love and that each must live and work for the other. I, you know, to me, and, and I, I feel like that we're all on the same page here. To me, the more love that you give, certainly the more you get. And it seems like in today's world, people want to withhold love at, as a punishment or something, but who are they punishing? Besides their spouse, they're punishing themselves because they nobody wants to love somebody like that. Nobody wants to give that 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 person, you know, everybody just kind of closes up. Right. And, and I, I don't know this, this article really touched me because it's just so much common sense. It's so simple. 
it is, it's rich. I love, love, love the um, paragraph where it says, let both preserve a strict guard over their tongues that neither may utter anything rude. I mean, how lovely is that? Contemptuous. So, so that neither can may utter anything rude, contemptuous or severe and guard their tempers that neither may ever grow passionate or become sullen or morose in one another's presence. They should not expect too much from each other. If either offends, it is the part of the other to forgive, remembering that no one is free of faults and that we are all constantly erring. And I just love that, you know, Brian and I, we've been, and we've talked about this before, we've been together for 38 years, right? And it's not that we don't disagree or that I don't drive him crazy sometimes. And he, you know, he drives me crazy sometimes, but, you know, in our marriage through that many, you know, years, you go through ups and downs. Right. But I do find that, you know, when we guard our, how can I, our mouths, right. Our tongues and it's okay to argue and disagree, but the name calling or even the tone, your tone can be so, my tone can be so disgusted and so, right. And sometimes just downright mean, right. Uh, and sharp that just my tone will hurt his feelings. Right. And when I think about what I've learned over the years, the number one thing that, that, you know, is important to Brian is words of affirmation. Okay. It's important to him and his success in life. I believe in him and that I build him up that my words and my actions support him. Um, not that I'm pointing out his faults and where he messed up and, um, where he, he flourishes when I tell him, what a great dad he is. And, you know, that he has, you've got this, you've got this, you know, you are, you are doing fabulously well, you know, and it's kind of a joke in our family, our, our youngest before Brian goes on uh, to do a workshop or a keynote, we always pray over him, right? He calls and uh, Emma always finishes the prayer with now don't screw it up, dad. but the the truth is is that all men want to hear their wives believe in them you know it and when we tear them down um and we can quicker and more easily than anybody in their whole life because when you enter into marriage there's such a vulnerability there they see everything. Brian sees all my good and all my bad. Everybody loves Judy. She's so nice. She's so funny and giving and generous. But then Brian gets to see the grumpy, you know, <laughs> mad, angry, right? The the Judy that says, that's not fair, blah, 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 right? And he doesn't, you know, he doesn't go to all of our friends and say, you know, Judy's really not that, that nice. You know what I mean? 
you know, um, you, you know, and it says it says in here that each should yield in matters where it is right to yield and be firm only where duty is concerned. And I, I love that because I always feel that, you know, it, some sometimes people argue just to argue that they argue and they 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 don't want to give in just to win where to me it's more important like let's think about whatever we're arguing about and who, which one of us is that more important to okay who, who has a bigger buy-in to that argument then you win that's it we're done arguing because everything's not worth arguing about and 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 I love that it's it, you know the the article is so much about respecting each other and trusting each other and that that you can lean on that person that that their character is is so good and they're so for you just like you just said Judy men are um I don't know, they're kind of sensitive about their egos. And, you know, you make me think when you talk about that, because there's no bigger supporter in my life than my husband. And he, he supports me in everything. He compliments me in everything. And he, he takes that time every single day of our life to do that. And, and it makes me want to look introspectively to say, am I giving that back? So it's a good conversation because that's what we all need to be doing. Are we giving that back to, to our husband? Because I know my husband absolutely flourishes, as you said, with, with compliments. Um, I always tell him when he's going to go into court, I say, go get him. You can do this. You got this, you know, and, and he loves it. It gives him that extra piece of confidence. And then, you know, he's strutting back out of court going, yep, I got it. I did it. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of little boy in men and, and they, they need that encouragement. You know what? I let's, I want to continue this and we're going to come right back and do that. How the spirit of American liberty and justice is woven into the soul of America out loud. Now we invite you friends to invest some of your time with our magnificent family of experts, their minds and voices, it's all back at AmericaOutloud.com. Liberty and justice for all. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulpidone iodine-based nasal spray Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races. You toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. 
Even the Centers for Disease Control label insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM Sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Hey, welcome back to Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. I'm Judy Moran. Uh, I'm I'm part owner of the 12 week year and I'm a, a, a pretty good wife. I'm a fabulous mom and I love the Lord. So that's who I am. And I'm, I'm here with two of my greatest friends, Linda Martinelli, who is a powerhouse. Um, she is amazing. She also owns her own business. Um, and then she also co-hosts uh, talking while married with her husband. And she is a true believer too. And we also have my great friend, Becky Kominen, and she is a voice talent that I'm sure you've all heard at one point or another. Um, and I snagged her and brought her along with me for the ride. And it's been one ride, hasn't it girls? <laughs> this is amazing. So we're talking about this article uh, that was written in the late 1800s uh, about marriage, right? And your roles and the roles and uh, the duties of the husband and the duties of the wife. And it is so eye-opening. I love that you found this, Linda. So tell us a little bit more about it. Becky had mentioned the conduct of the husband and wife. And the article talks about let neither ever deceive the other or do anything to shake the other's confidence for once deceived, the heart can never wholly trust again. Fault finding should only be done by gentle and mild criticism. And then with loving words and pleasant looks. Okay. And then, you know, Becky already mentioned making allowances for weaknesses and that the motto should be faithful unto death in all things. And you know, I, I just think that that makes so much common sense. That's why we get married. We get married to have that, that singular relationship with our spouse. And this article just, it's, it's just common sense for them. It's not, it's not, well, you know, we'll get married, then we'll have a threesome and, you know, we'll have an open marriage and, you know, marriage was more revered in those days, as I think it should be today. And I think if we did do the things that this article talks about, um, you know, giving corrections to people in the spirit of kindness, instead of criticism, and all of these, these talking about preserving um, how you speak, right, how you talk to somebody. So Judy, you mentioned tone and, and it's saying, you know, don't be uttering anything rude, contemptuous, or severe, and guard your tempers that neither can grow passionate or become sullen or morose in one another's pres presence. That's what happens is that uh, people, they, they get 
they back off, right? They, they back off of the relationship and they don't come forward because that because of vulnerability and I'm somebody that doesn't like to feel vulnerable. So if you criticize me, it makes me feel vulnerable. And then I'm going to kind of back away from you. The technical term is shutting down. Yeah. And I don't know how real we want to get here. And this could go into a really lengthy section. So I, I won't get that real, but I will share that there have been many trying times in my marriage and through some counseling they've used the term shutting down and because of the way we speak to each other and treat each other that's what happens a an instinctual reaction to being treated poorly is to shut down and when couples do that it's not just a matter of two people not speaking to each other it breaks down the integral part of marriage and that oneness starts to crackle and starts to a thread becomes loose and it's a dangerous thing to have happen. So I like Judy, you mentioned about the way that we speak to our spouses and in this article, this just cracked me up. I had to read it several times. It says, and I quote, she should never indulge in fits of temper hysterics, or other habits of ill-breeding, which, though easy to conquer at first, grow and strengthen with indulgence if she would retain her husband as her lover and her dearest and nearest friend. And it's true. It's true, because I know, speaking personally, if I want to have personal relations with my husband, if there is angst, it ain't gonna happen. Right. Exactly. No. Mm -mm. Oh, you know, another one, Becky, what, what really, really kills me today in today's world. And I, I, to the horror of my kids, I I, I will tell their, their girlfriends, boyfriends, (laughs) wives, husbands about this. And I say, don't you ever go sleep on the couch. Don't use sex as a tool in your marriage or as a punishment um, that I, I will, I will say out loud, the best thing that we as women can do is give our husbands all the sex that they want because the rewards to us are incredible. I mean, it's such a simple thing and it brings you closer. And yet, yet women today seem to use that as a punishment, the young women, especially a punishment, like, Oh, I'm withholding this, but they're hurting themselves. They don't understand. They are breaking that relationship. It's that one thread, the communication, it starts with the communication always. And it loosens a thread. And I just can visualize a tailor with that little tool. It's like a tiny little fish hook. Mm -hmm. And you get underneath that first thread and you pull it. And from there, when you guys start having uh, angst, it starts spreading apart. And then the fibers start coming apart and loose. And it's a, it's a tough thing to fix. It is. And, and it takes a lot of work to fix. But back in the article, um, it also states, and I really appreciated this. Um, I have to mention, sometimes women like to talk. And sometimes they say too much. 
So this says she should be careful not to confide to another any small misunderstandings or, or petty quarrels between herself and husband should any occur. This is, a, this is the surest method of widening any breach of harmony that may occur between husband and wife, for the more such misunderstandings are talked about and the more advice she receives from her confidants, there's less probability that harmonious relations will be speedily returned. Yikes. That is so true. It is so, so true. And you know, a good friend of mine has told me time and time again, this one saying that I, it just pops in my head now, go to the throne before you go to the phone. Oh, I love that. You know, this is, that's so, such sage advice. Now, as you know, my daughter is newly married, right? And we're very close. We're very, very close. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a woman of wisdom, right? So um, they, they had their first fight. Okay. Their first big fight. And so she came to me and, you know, before, you know, she started blah, 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 blah. And I waited for a minute and I said, now listen to me. I love you and I am here for you, but I want you to be very careful seriously about what you share. Okay. With me about your husband. Okay. Because I love you. You are my baby. And my first instinct is to protect you and to say that you, you're right. You're perfect. My baby. Do you know what I mean? I, you know, and, and blah, blah, blah. And I, and, and I don't want to, I want to see my son-in-law as a wonderful man who adores my daughter, who's going to be a great daddy. Um, and I, I mean, I, 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 I see him clearly, but you know, they're going to get over that spat. They're going to get over that fight. And as your mama, I'm going to be like, right now. Um, so we talked a lot about that, you know, and, and I still obviously gave her my sage advice and, and, uh, and it, it all worked itself out. Then very next day, everything was fine and back to normal. Um, but I just wanted to, you know, say, I want to be here for you, but I also don't really, unless it's really bad, right. Unless it's really, really bad. I don't really, I want to see him in a good light. Right. So I don't know. Now this is interesting too. I, I was reading. Did you, did you want to share something? You no, know, I, I love your point there because the, the best advice that you, if I hear you right, kind of gave her is you need to go home and solve this with your husband, not with your mom. And that, that is absolutely great. You don't need to bring a third party into it. And I think that the article talks about that. So yeah, that, I mean that you are a woman of wisdom. <laughs> Thanks. So the, the article also said, and um, it begins not, this paragraph begins with while he should give his wife his perfect confidence and faithfulness, trusting implicitly to her honor at all times and in all places, he should on his part remain faithful and constant to her 
and give her no cause for, of complaint. So what's interesting is, I mean, that goes back to the faithfulness, right? Um, and, and what lack of faithfulness and adultery leads to in a marriage. It, it's very difficult to come back from that. But it begins with the, 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 the paragraph begins with him giving perfect confidence in her faithfulness. Now, as I watch young marriages, you know, um, there is an element of jealousy and it's interesting even, and of course, to me, jealousy boils down to your self-confidence, right? Um, if you're a very jealous person, then I feel like there's a lack of self-confidence, right? Um, that causes it, but jealousy can cause the worst fights and, and cause, you, you know, the, the person who's jealous to, to try and control the other person. Right. And it's interesting that they would begin this, this whole part on faithfulness in you need to give your spouse, you know, perfect confidence in their faithfulness and not, you know, trusting implicitly to her honor at all times and in all places. Um, and it's, it, it is interesting. I think that as people date and if they had a partner who cheated on them, then now they have this baggage that they're carrying into, right? The relationship and they might feel that, okay, everybody cheats or I can't, even though they have a spouse that is completely faithful, would never, you know, in a million years that is super, you know, very loyal, um, they're carrying in that baggage. And so I, I just love that, that piece of advice. Jealousy has no place in a marriage. Nor unfaithfulness. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely unfaithfulness. No, but you know what? In post 1880 society, very sadly, adultery, or I back it up even marriage in general, as you've mentioned, Linda, isn't given the honor and importance that it should. It, and there are many, I think there are many reasons for that. Of course, society has changed since the 1880s. However, these principles should not have changed. It's very sad what people want now as opposed to then. And the focus has, has been turned away from becoming one and just getting what each other wants out of that relationship. And when you start not getting that out of the relationship, then it's time to go look at that greener grass over there, which that, never stays green. That, that's so true. And the other thing, you know, besides jealousy that we fight about in marriage is money, a lot of money fights. And what, what this article says back in the 1800s is that, you know, I, there, there, there's a large section on it. So I'm just going to paraphrase, paraphrase that the wife should be managing her household money in a way that is responsible and that respects what her husband earns and not overspending. And the husband, um, it, it's his 
duty at that time to, to go out and earn money and um, that, that they can have a good life. They don't have to have a rich life, but they both need to not have um, the, the desire to spend more than what they make and get themselves in trouble. And so, so many people do that today. We, and with credit cards and with the ability to kind of um, buy everything now and that we can't wait for anything. I mean, people used to, to save money and wait to buy things like a house or a car, but now everybody can put it on credit and they get over their head and that causes a lot of fights. So I think that, that the, the article talks a lot about money and being frugal and being responsible with money. And I absolutely think that that's true of all of us, whether you're single or you're married, but in a marriage, it's just such an important thing because, you know, if one person in the marriage is irresponsible with money, it affects both people. And that's, that really causes a lot of pride. I think it is one of the biggest reasons for divorce is money issues. So me like cutting the tags off a dress and hiding it at the bottom of the trash can is probably not a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) He'll never find it because he has. He's opened the trash to put something in there and go, oh, what's that? TJ Maxx? What? Oh, okay. So did you go shopping? Oh, that's old. That's been there. Is that a new dress? (laughs) New? Well, define new. Define new. (laughs) My mother used to hide things from my father if she bought something new That's but funny. like early early on you know when I was little um and my grandmother oh we won't even go there you know she was as close to Imelda Marcos as you could get with shoes when she passed she had a closet lined it was wallpapered with shoe boxes most of which she'd never even worn it was just a, like a collection thing crazy but wrong with having a lot of shoes huh huh I do I love shoes. It, that <laughs> that gene trickled down. I love shoes too. But it is true. And I do I do know firsthand how important it is to be on the same page with your husband regarding money matters. It it's it's very easy to have a problem arise by not being truthful and not being on the same page. Don't miss an episode of the Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. Subscribe to the podcast. And for the latest news and inspiration, join us back at AmericaOutloud.com. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. 
Here's a note that we need to talk about. In the article, it states, it must not be supposed that it devolves upon the wife alone to make married life a happy home. She must be seconded in her noble efforts by him who took her from her own parental fireside, I have the, I have <laughs> the visual, and kind friends to be his companion through life's pilgrimage. He has placed her in a new home, provided with such comforts as his means permits. And the whole current of both their lives has been changed. So this is talking about they have left their parents. They're starting their new life. The life is to become a comfortable home. And like Linda said, it doesn't have to be a lavish home. Um, doesn't have to be the White House. It's comfortable within your means. And it states, his constant duty to his wife is to be ever kind and attentive to love her as he loves himself, even sacrificing his own personal comfort for her happiness. Okay. Can we stop right there? <laughs> Wait, what? Isn't, Wait, that what? A nice, isn't that a nice sentence? In fact, I have to read that again. I think um, <laughs> we, we love this section the best. <laughs> <laughs> To love her as he loves himself, even sacrificing his own personal comfort for her happiness. From his affection for her, there should grow out a friendship and fellowship such is possessed for no other person. His evenings and spare moments should be devoted to her. Once more, his evenings and spare moments should be devoted to her. To the point of where the golf course should be calling and say, where are you? <laughs> and these should be used for their intellectual, moral, and social advancements. Or I love that. I just love it. <laughs> and and you know, I mean, it goes on to talk about something we can all relate to that that their businesses and their work should not overtake the time that he should be spending with family. And how many women complain that their husbands are always at work and that they don't get home to, to help with the kids or to even interact with the kids or with her. And, and people are kind of living these separate lives. I love this, this thought. And I have to say in my house, that's just the way we live. My husband and I on purpose spend time every day together on purpose, we make sure that we are going to stop our work at a reasonable time so that we always have dinner together so that we always can, you know, chit chat. And then we have a time in the morning that we spend uh, over coffee for a good hour. And we talk about whatever we need to talk about. And I just think it's so relationship building relationship important um, to keep those connections. As Becky said, communication is everything. It mentions what you just said in this article, Linda, that the cares and anxieties of businesses or business should not exclude the attentions due his wife and family. While he should carefully keep her informed of the conditions of his business affairs, many a wife is capable <laughs> of giving her husband important advice about various details of his business. So you, you just explained that perfectly. You two communicate together well, and you do discuss each other's business. And back in the 1880s, if she was not working outside the home, her business was taking care of household matters and children. 
which are equally important to discuss with the husband, nor should he think that his business outside the home is more important. She's home doing nothing, watching soap operas and eating bonbons. So communicating about all those things really fosters that love between the two and appreciation for what each other does. Truly. And I love the the line that many a wife is capable of giving her husband important advice about various details of his business. Um, and it is, and it is here. It is in the late 1800s saying that, listen, your wife is smart enough to give you advice on your business. And basically you'll be a better man and a better businessman because of it. And that was um, a big deal. You know, Judy, that was a huge deal back then. Mm-hmm, truly. I think it's, this is just, this is awesome. You know, Brian and I work together um, and I've had to, we have a, and we have a group chat, a text, a family group text. The girls are in it and we're in it. And literally we text each other, all four of us all day. And we recently added Justin to it. And we named it the Incredibles. Okay. But once it was literally this week, Brian texted me in the group to ask me if I had called somebody, you know, if I had done something business related and I texted right back and I, and I said, please do not text me about business in this chat. (laughs) This is our family chat. This is our, you know, it's, it's our family fun chat. You know, I have, you can text me, you know, on my regular text or email me, but you have to set boundaries. You know, both, both of us have to set boundaries. When I first started, um, I, you know, that time between wake and asleep when it's like, you're just sort of waking up. Uh, but you're still in that dreamy, you know, Brian was well beyond that. And he'd be like, did you call so-and-so? Are you going to do this? You need to do this and that today. And I I was like, listen, buddy, you know, I am sleeping and you can talk to me about this after breakfast. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. Now, yeah. now I'm thinking about when I say something to my husband, did you do this? Did you do that? Oh. <laughs> He's half asleep. Oh my right. gosh. So you great. know, Lee, that's a sign of being ill. What did they say? Ill breeding. Oh Ill dear. Breeding. I have, I have, Ill, Ill breeding. Well, it also says, luckily for me, that my husband should never seek to break any of my disagreeable habits. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Not that we have it. That that the husband should, in fact, act toward his wife as becomes a perfect gentleman. And she's the best lady in the land. I mean, that's how I like to feel. So, so ladies, in our last few minutes, here's what I want to know. I love this article. I, I, it just really resonates with me. What if, what if, marriages today in our country would emulate what this article says, what kind of a better place or worse place would we be in? What do you think? It would be so wonderful. The children that grow up in an environment like this would be healthy, healthy, wonderful, 
you know, human beings that would contribute to society in a completely positive way that our children would grow up feeling safe and secure with the boundaries that make them feel safe and secure, which allow them to be anything and everything that, that God made them to be. I think it would be a little bit of heaven on earth. Mm -hmm. What a great point that is, Judy, boy, that's, you know, it is about the children and divorce. I don't care what you say. Divorce hurts children. Parents arguing hurts children terribly. It forces them to try to have to take sides with two people that they love. And, And we, we have done a great job, I think, of destroying a lot of our children in this country who now have all kinds of problems because of the parents aren't doing these simple things. And you know what? If you can't be this way with your spouse, you probably picked the wrong person in the first place, right? Because it it is, there. there's so many people that are compromising, you know, they think that they can change somebody and they can't, and then they get into it and they have kids and the, the kids are the ones who suffer. And then the, the tendency continues to, um, to not, it starts a cycle, right? Because, well, my parents got divorced. I'm okay. So, you know, it's okay. No, pick the right person and be committed, truly committed, truly um, ethical, truly honest, truly communicative and faithful and you know, marriage works in this article. One of the things that it says is if you find that you really picked the wrong person, it kind of says, suck it up, deal with it and make the best of it, which is interesting because we don't feel that way today. It's all about your own personal happiness, you know, always. And in our culture today, but by giving happiness to somebody else, I mean, you receive it back. The, the biggest thing I think is, is that security, right? If we feel secure, like my husband has to travel. And I, I think, um, Judy, I know yours does. I, Becky, I don't know if yours does, but they have yeah. to, he has to travel for business. I never, not one iota minute of my life with him have I worried about his faithfulness. Never. That is such a good feeling because it allows us to put that aside and it's not never an issue. And we can focus on, you know, other good things. But man, if you, if you feel that your spouse is unfaithful, oh my gosh, it just creates a whole lot of problems. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how you come back from it only through the grace of God. I don't know know how you do either. I really don't. I really don't. What's interesting is that there are, we've brought our daughters up with two choices, just two choices that will set the course for your life. Okay. I don't care where you go to school or what you wear or, you know, what you decide to do with your career or whatever. The number one decision that you're going to make is if you choose to follow Jesus or not. The second most important decision is who you marry, because that choice will either make your life wonderful or it will make your life hell. So don't take that choice and that decision lightly. 
you know, and, and both of them are like, I know, I know. Right. But it's true. We've kind of beat it into their heads that you make this decision carefully, you know, and, and really think about your future forever with this person forever. And number one is involved with number two decision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, you want your spouse to also be a believer. Mm -hmm. Truly. If, if you don't, if you marry an unbeliever, you're in for a life of extreme difficulties. I agree. Take it further than that. If you marry somebody who doesn't share your values about religion, about children, about um, faithfulness, if you, if about money, about, you know, important things, they, they should share your values because if they don't, you are going to have a problem and it may be all, you know, sunshine and flowers at the beginning when you're infatuated with one another, but reality sets in. And if you are not on the same page, it's going to be a problem. And I just see that there's a lot of people that, that marry somebody who's broken or who doesn't share their values. And they think that they can fix that. And that's very difficult, but you know, if you set your mind, this, this article is not about what somebody can do for you, right? What your spouse can do for you. It's all about your responsibility as a spouse. And I love that because that's what we're missing today is our own accountability for how we act and how it affects other people. Amen. I don't know what else to say to that. That's perfect. Amen. Right. That brings me right to Brian's book, Uncommon Accountability, right? <laughs> Oh, well, tell us about that. I haven't heard oh that. Gosh. This is a new book. Yes. And oh. it's a new book that they, they released just a few months ago. Author Brian called, Moran. Yeah. Author Brian Moran and Michael Lennington. And uh, the title is Uncommon Accountability. And it's all really, it's, it's, of course, about how our culture is leaning towards completely being unaccountable, right? Oh my gosh, what a great idea. Now, it's when does it come out? Where can we buy it? It You can buy it on Amazon. Uh, it's on Amazon right now. You can buy it. But also there's a lot of, miscon there's a huge misconception that you can actually hold somebody accountable. And the truth is that holding somebody accountable is punitive and it's after they failed. And what, what Brian and Michael are saying is, you can hold them completely capable of doing what they said they would do, you know, and it, there's a difference. Holding somebody capable is coming alongside them and helping them and loving them through it rather than after they failed and it's punitive and it's angry and it's right. It's, it's just an interesting concept. So well, I'm interested to read that. And I, I, I don't know, and don't, you don't even need to tell me, but the first thing that comes to my mind is we're not holding anybody accountable for their criminal actions. And I think we should be holding them accountable. I don't know how you hold them capable at that point, but at that point, that's that, different. Yeah, that's different, but, but yeah, holding yourself capable. And, and, you know, I've heard Brian speak about that, um, at, at a time. And I, it, it made total sense to me. And, um, 
people who have not heard Brian Moran speak on the 12 week year, he's a phenomenal speaker. And, uh, you know, if you have an opportunity to hear him, you should absolutely take it. If you're a corporate America, you should absolutely hire this man because I saw him in the corporate America arena and he's phenomenal. And he has a lot of really good things to say, as does this article. I mean, this this article just just strikes me so much as, wow, wow, this is where we should be. This is how we should be feeling about marriage. And, you know, it, it made me look at my own marriage. And you know what? Mine stacks up pretty well to the article. There are a few things that I need to, to address and, and I will do. And I think it's a really good reminder for all of us. I'm actually going to print it out. And my husband and I are going to read it together this weekend. Well, you know what's interesting? I My husband doesn't know it. He hasn't read it, hasn't heard about it. But um, as we record uh, our Talking While Married show on 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, weeknights on America Out Loud, um, I'm going to hit him with this article because it's a different perspective to talk about this article with my husband and a man than it is with us ladies. I love talking about this article with you ladies and you are the perfect ladies to talk about it with because you have such a great perspective on on this and you really understand what this article is saying. I'm gonna hit him with this and and we're gonna talk about it on Talking While Married from a whole different perspective. And I'm so curious, he's gonna love it. He's gonna love it. I can't wait to hear that. I can't wait to listen to that one. Well, we'll do that. And then we'll see you ladies next time. Thanks for for being with us and sharing all the information on 1880s marriage and how it pertains to today. Well, ladies, that's a wrap. One more step for womankind.